pray and our music team. We can be kind. We all want the same thing. The other piece that I heard in the song that really spoke to me was this this idea that it's not enough to just know it, right? That we have to live the truth that we know. If we want to see the peace we want to see, we have to be that peace. We have to practice this together, right? And so it's for that reason that we bring you a spiritual practice every week. And we have been doing the stories from the wisdom tales from around the world. And so last week's story was about, you know, the powerful fighting rooster. And it was about recognizing and realizing that when I get into that place of conflict, my true power comes as I center myself in that divine power and presence. And so that was your spiritual practice last week. It it went like this. In moments of upset, discord, or challenge, consider how you are showing up. Pause. Breathe. Remember to center in the divine spirit within before seeking or taking action. Know it is in being centered that you are strong and powerful. So how many of you took on that spiritual practice last week? Yeah, I see a few hands. That's good. That's good. All right, so I know that when you practice these things, when you do these things, you have something that happens, some aha, some new understanding, some fresh new insight, some easier way of being. And so I'm wondering, those of you who shared, yes, I did that, what would anybody like to share what you got from that practice this week? Okay, I see one, Jim. Yay. You guys have not let me down yet. I have started this like the end of April, and every week there's at least somebody who raises their hand. So thank you for playing along today, Jim Coy. I know. Stress. Um, on Monday morning, I was getting ready for work. Laura goes in the basement and tells me there's water down there. Oh, so you heard the groans. We all get it. Yes. So my hot water tank was leaking. Now, like you said, I took a break. Now I had to call off work. I usually don't ever. And trying to find someone to fix your hot water tank during a heat wave because they mostly do heating and air conditioning also is very difficult, but making phone calls, and we found someone that my neighbor said, and he said, if you would have called 15 minutes later, I wouldn't have been available, and by 10 o'clock at night, he had a new hot water tank in and set it up so I could do it myself next time, and uh, I thought, what would have happened, because if Laura wouldn't have gone in the basement, and I would have left for work, the basement would have been flooded, and it would have been way, way worse. Yeah. So, and now the guy that fixed it, I'm going to use him for some other things. So Good. There you go. I tried to keep it in perspective. That's beautiful, Jim. And anybody not relate to that, right? Things happen, and you want to go into the upset of it, and that same present allowed you to see the perfect order of it. Perfect order of it. Anybody else? Oh, Marilyn. All right, Marilyn. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, so I had several opportunities this week to <laughs> no, apply to no. our teaching. And in uh, one in particular, I was working on my computer, and I was working on a project that I wasn't exactly 100% sure was, was God's will for me to be doing. But um, I didn't really address it. I just worked and worked with a bit of a scowl, and nothing was going right, and nothing was going right. And then I stopped, and I said, okay. 
I'm going to relax. I'm going to center. God, if this is your will for me to do, let me do it. And everything came together then. But I had to be willing to not do it, you know, that maybe it wasn't God's will for me to be doing. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, what I want to do is uh, think of that ahead of time before <laughs> the, the pain occurs. <laughs> That's where practice comes in, right? Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. That was beautiful. I had an example myself this week. I drove um, back and forth to New Jersey. And I was listening to a CD on the way, and at one point in the CD, it was talking about beaming love out to out to the people that you're in contact with, to beam love to them. And there was this car in front of me that, you know, was in the left lane, but riding too slow, and yet riding right next to the person in the right lane, so you couldn't get beyond them. And I'm finding myself getting frustrated with them as I'm listening to this CD about beaming love. And I went, oh, duh. So... In that moment, I just did that, right? I just, I'm beaming love. And lo and behold, as if by magic, they just moved into that right lane. And I said, thank you, God. And then I practiced that the rest of the drive. And it kept happening. You know, I just beam love, and they move out of my way. So if you're going on a trip, keep that in mind. It's a great practice. So we are moving on in our wisdom tales from around the world. I'm pulling these tales from my dog-eaten book here, but the tales are all in good shape. Um, And our tale this week is coming from the Zen tradition, Uh, so Buddhism, the Zen tradition, and it's called A Monk with Heavy Thoughts, and this is how the story goes. As two Zen monks walked along a muddy, rain-drenched road, they came upon a lovely woman attempting to cross a large mud puddle. The elder monk stopped beside the woman, lifted her in his arms, and carried her across the puddle. He set her gently down on the dry ridge of the road, and the younger monk discreetly admired her charm. After bowing politely to the woman, the two monks continued down the muddy road. The younger monk was sullen and silent as they walked along. They traveled over the hills, down the valleys, through a town, under the forest trees, and at last, many hours had passed the younger monks scolded the elder. You are aware that we monks do not touch women. Why did you carry that girl? The elder monk slowly turned, smiled, and said, My dear young brother, you have such heavy thoughts. I left the woman alongside the road hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? So I'm guessing that by that laughter, <laughs> you relate to that monk. Right? That, how many of you relate to that younger monk, right? Carrying things that you know. You know you should leave them aside. You should not carry them anymore. And yet, here we do. We just keep carrying them and they weigh us down. The story comes from the Zen tradition, from Buddhism. And in Buddhism, there is this idea, first, that we have, and we know this, our subconscious thoughts. Subconscious thoughts which are within us that 95 to 97 percent of the time um, are ruling the way in which we are interacting with whatever the experience is. So oftentimes, you know, when your buttons get pushed and you react without thinking, um, 
Well, that was Marilyn's first reaction, right? With the frustration of what she was doing. That's that subconscious reaction that takes place. And I don't want you to come away from this thinking that there's something wrong with the subconscious, that we have to get rid of the subconscious, because the subconscious has its value. The subconscious is also that within us that keeps our heart beating, that keeps us breathing, right? So it's very valuable to have the subconscious that keeps us moving along. But we also need to realize it's been informed by all of the things that we've been taught to believe as we've grown up. So the other, you know, maybe 5% of the time, we are in our conscious thoughts. Peter's a gnosis. We are in our conscious thoughts. This is where we consciously bring ourselves to the moment. And from the Zen tradition, uh, Zen meaning meditation, it's all about meditation that brings us to this present moment consciously. And in the Zen tradition, it would be moving through all of the experiences of our days, not with our eyes closed in meditation, but with our eyes open, fully present, fully engaged in this moment, right? So that we are consciously choosing how to respond rather than reacting from those subconscious beliefs. But in the Buddhist tradition, there's yet another layer, and that's called the unconscious level. And it is at that unconscious level that Buddhism believes is where our good, pure thoughts exist. Kind of familiar with unity in that place of, you know, divine mind consciousness, right? Where every perfect divine idea exists. In Buddhism, they would call that 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 we're in touch with our Buddhahood, our Buddha nature, What do you think we call that in unity, that Buddha nature? Our Christ nature, right? Our Christ consciousness. And so it's as we get to that level beneath the subconscious thinking, beneath even the conscious thinking, that we find that awareness of that divine mind consciousness, that Christ consciousness, that is the truth of who we are, in which we can find all possibility and and that good that, that is here, present now, that we are being called to be. And so that's what they're talking about in the story here, right? How we stay in this level of, of subconscious reacting to life. Buddhism has four noble truths. The first noble truth is that life is suffering. Anybody here not ever experienced suffering? If you're alive, there's opportunities to suffer. There's loss, there's change, there's You know, lots of pain in this world, and we have opportunities. And most of the time, what we do is suffer. Life is suffering. But Buddhism also tells us why we suffer. Anybody know the reason why we suffer? Attachment. Yeah, the second noble truth. We suffer because of our attachment to the way we think things ought to be. Right? So we've got suffering. It's caused by our attachment. But the third noble truth tells us that there is a way out of the suffering. And the fourth noble truth is that the way out of the suffering is to follow the Eightfold Path. So there's a way out that Buddha has defined for us. There's a way out of our suffering. So if we go back to the story, right, the monk that was carrying those heavy thoughts was 
suffering because he was attached to an idea of the way it ought to be, which didn't look like what actually occurred. And in the process, not only was he suffering, but he was also judging the other person. And we're attempt to come to this place of suffering. I was quite surprised about a week, it was last Sunday, I got an email, I get a weekly email from TruthUnity, truthunity.net, great website if you're looking for unity information. And so Mark Hicks, the, the one who takes care of this website, sends a weekly email. And the weekly email came last week, and what the weekly email said was that prayer was not the foundational discipline of unity. Now that seems odd, like really? Because the whole unity found, was founded on prayer. How could it not be the foundational spiritual discipline of unity? Anybody want to take a guess at what is the foundational spiritual discipline of unity? Thinking. Thinking. In unity, we have this teaching that God is this divine mind consciousness. And in divine mind consciousness, there is a perfect idea for you and for me and for this moment in our life. So from mind to idea and then to expression, which is actually divine order in unity. And that our discipline, our spiritual discipline, is to focus on taking charge of those thoughts that we are holding in our mind so that they align with the thoughts that are in divine mind. And that that is our foundational discipline, to take charge of our thinking. Remember the third basic unity principle. We create our world through the activity of our thoughts. And so if you think about it, that foundation of thinking is even beyond prayer, because prayer is to align our mind with God's mind. And again, it comes down to thinking. How am I thinking? And we can think in ways that cause us to suffer, and we can think in ways that bring us to a place of peace. So I had the, the joy this week of visiting a dear friend. She and I had gone through um, the field licensing program together to become unity ministers. Now, she is now 82, and we were just ordained in 2010. So if you do the math, you can see that she was well into her 70s, right, as we began and, and continued this program together. Now, how many of you would automatically think, well, I can't start something like becoming a minister in my 70s. I'm way too old for a second career or a third career, right? But that didn't stop her. She became this unity minister, and we connected very early on in our program. And so I kept in touch with her, and after the field program was over, after she was ordained as a minister, she began to experience symptoms of dementia. And we would talk every week on the phone. And every week she'd be talking about this, and she'd say to me, you know, do you think I should be worried? Do you think I should be concerned? And I'd say to her, ah, you still know me. As long as you still know me, I'm not going to worry about it. And then March came. And it was the first phone call that she didn't know me. And if she didn't stay there, a couple of phone calls later she knew me again. And each time that she'd know me, she'd be saying, when are you going to come? You've got to come see me. You've got to come see me before I die. I don't know how much longer I'm going to make it. And so I carved out a, a couple of days so that I could go see her. And I did that this week. So we were sitting together and talking. 
in, in this morning when I was there, and the tears were flowing. Right? And the tears were around the, these ideas. Ah, oh, I used to know so much. I used to do anything. At, at work, they would tell me, just go do whatever you want because you're so good at it all. Why? Why, can't, why am I here now? Why, why can't I be thinking clearly like I used to think? And the tears, the tears were flowing. Now, I'm sure each and every one of us here totally understands where she's coming from, right? I mean, we would probably be there, and probably are, with whatever the experience is in our life, right? But my conversation with her in that moment was that she was attached to the way she wished things were still. I wish I could still think clearly. I wish I was able to do the things that I used to be able to do. I wish. And in that, that moment, my, my words for her were that, that attachment to the way that you wish things were is causing you to suffer in this moment. It's where the tears are coming from. And while I understand totally and completely the attachment to the way you wish it was, it's causing you to suffer in this moment. And so she used to have this, this thing that she would do when something happened, and it was her denial. So in Unity, we teach denial, not giving power over to something. And this was, this was her denial. Oh, so what? Perfect denial. Oh, so what? And I said, what would happen... If rather than wishing things were different in that moment, you could just say, oh, so what? This is where I am right now. Now, I share that story with you because each of us has something in our life that we are attached to wishing it was different. And we carry around a story with us about why it is that it's not the way we wish it would be. And in carrying those stories around with us, we cause ourselves to suffer, and then all that you're doing is adding to more suffering in the world. So what? The here and now is what is, right? Um, Albert Einstein. I don't know the exact quote, but he has a quote that goes something like this. You cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created the problem. You can't solve the problem if the story in your mind is all about the problem with the story. We have to move outside of that. We have to move outside of those heavy thoughts that we're carrying with us that don't allow us to be fully present. And we have to choose, how am I going to be in this moment? So, after service last week, somebody shared with me, all right, she said I could, so Janet, you're in the second row with a hat on, so you can ask her about it. She didn't have the courage to raise her hand to share when the microphone was being tapped, but, but it's a great story, Janet, so it's a great story. So she was telling me last week that down in her basement, she had a big rack of clothes, and that that rack of clothes fell over. And clothes were skewed everywhere. Now, take yourself to that moment. What would be going through your head in that moment? A bad word? Anger, right? Frustration? 
Maybe beating yourself up a little. How could I have let this happen? Blah, blah, blah. Right? But here's what Janet said. Because she was practicing our spiritual practice, she realized that she needed to take a breath. And she realized that the clothes were going to need to be cleaned up. But she could walk away, and she could come back to it, and she could come back to it in a frame of mind that was at peace. Right? Did I get the story about right? So what I want you to hear in this story was something needed to be done. What was the something that needed to be done? The clothes needed to be cleaned up. Sometimes it's that obvious. <laughs> the clothes needed to be cleaned up. Whatever the situation is in your life, that needs to be addressed. But we get a choice as to how we are going to interact with what that experience is through our thoughts. And Janet could have come at it from this place of anger and frustration and impatience, or she came to it from a place of peace. The action is the same, cleaning up the clothes. But the way she brought herself to the situation was completely different. And she was at peace. The monk is heavy thought. He reminds us to replace those heavy thoughts, to come at it from a different level of consciousness, and to come at it from a place of peace. Instead, we get to choose. Always. We get to choose. What are you going to choose? As you move about the activity of your day, now, the thing about this story was we all identified with that monk with heavy thoughts. Anybody not identify? Did anybody identify with the, the elder monk? Ah, good for you, DJ. Because here's what happens to me, right? Somebody comes along, a younger monk, and throws something at my face about something that I did wrong, and where do I immediately go to, do you think? Defensive. And my defense and their defense meets, and all we can do is this, create more of this. There's no peace here. The elder monk reminds us what we do. When we are met with judgment, criticism, blame, how are we called to show up? In this place of awareness that that issue may not be my issue at all, and I don't need to make it so. That life is nothing more than a mirror. We are mirrors for one another. And that elder monk simply held up the mirror for that younger one. Why are you still carrying this woman around in your mind? I let her go hours ago. So we hold mirrors up to one another. And we don't have to take somebody else's criticism, blame, judgment of us. We can just let it go. This isn't about me. But now here's the challenge that I am so aware of. Because there is that ego in me that could just say, oh no, this is your problem. I'm your mirror. I have nothing to learn. I have nothing to stretch through. I have nothing to grow here. Do we do this? You know, that elder monk was probably a pretty enlightened master, and I'm still enlightening. I'm not there yet. And so for me and for you, our challenge is not to make it, not to take it, not to make it about us, but at the same time to balance that with the question, is 
there's something for me to learn here. There's something that I need to grow into, some deeper understanding. And so when we, when we find ourselves in that place of wanting to deflect and say, no, it's all you, it is very valuable for all of us to say, and they are just like me, and why do I do that? Because we cannot change the world if we stay at the same level of consciousness as the problem that is being generated by our collective. So I gotta practice it. Who's gotta practice? I don't see all the hands up. I just I'm gonna invite some of you that don't raise your hands to come up and do this next week. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, your bulletins, and I don't have the outer part of the bulletin, I realized that as I got up here. But so you have two parts to your bulletin. The first part, this is new, our outer bulletin is being recycled all summer long. And so we're inviting you to leave it back at the back of the hall as you leave, because we'll use that again next week. But on the inside, and there's a place, if you want to connect with us, you rip that off. Let's, oh, thank you, Christy. Rip off the let connect card, and you can give us your information, and we'll connect with you. But this piece, leave this behind. The inside, however, is intended for you to take home with you. It has everything that's going on here at Unity Spiritual Center, but it also has, like, what used to be known as the back of the bulletin. So some quotes from Unity, our scripture for the day, which I'll get to in a minute, and our spiritual practice. So this is the piece you take home with you. So what is our spiritual practice this week? Think of one person that you don't particularly like. Think of one person that you don't particularly like. Anybody here not have that one person that you don't particularly like? This one. Michael? All right, Michael. We'll pay attention this week and see if it comes up, right? Make the choice to think kindly of them today, tomorrow, the day after, and always. See them for who they are in the truth. They, too, are divine. They, too, have that Christ within. It doesn't help at all when we go to that level of consciousness that each of us are displaying of error and agree with that error. That's not going to lift anybody up, and that's not going to heal the world, and it's not going to change the consciousness of this planet. We have to see one another as we are in truth. To think kindly of one another. We can be kind. We can take care of one another. Okay, but here's the caution. Because, like me, you probably have one person that is way out there that you just are so annoyed with. Right? And that's the one you're going to choose. The one that's the hardest. And you're going to try to think kindly of them this week, and you're going to say to me next week, I, I just couldn't do it. I just could not think kindly of them. Do you know what this person has done? Do you know? And so I want to caution you not to take the hardest person and think kindly of them. Start with somebody simple. Somebody that you have faith already for in your heart. But sometimes they annoy you. Start with them. Because as we get good at those little places, then we can expand and grow into those that are harder. Can you see? Right? Otherwise, we're just going to give it up and say, this stuff doesn't work. So, our scripture for today is coming from the Dhammapada. When you came in, hopefully you picked up one of our cards if you didn't pick one up on the way out. Uh, So, it's coming from the Dhammapada of Buddhism, and it says this. All experience is preceded by mind. 
led by mind, made by mind. This is our third unity principle. Do you hear it? Speak or act with a peaceful mind and happiness follows like a never-departing star. I'm still playing with that last time. Like a never-departing star. I want you to take this and put it up somewhere. Somebody told me as they left 9 o'clock, they're putting it up on their computer screen so they can keep an eye on this and keep this in the forefront of their thoughts this week. And like all wisdom, you can't keep it to yourself forever. So when you're ready to release the card to somebody else, release the card. Release the wisdom. And come back next week and you'll get another card with another scripture and another tale. Deal? Who's going to join me this week? Are you ready to do so? That was lame. Yes, it was, Christy. Totally lame. Who's going to join me this week? There we go. That energy, that enthusiasm. Let's hear a big yes. Yes! Great. Go do it. God bless.